Hello everybody, this is Tamsin Wolf and you're listening to Bullseye. This is my podcast and this would be episode number six. Thanks so much for your support so far. It's truly amazing and I'm always humbled by it. And again, if you could please, whoever is downloading and listening to the episodes, if you could follow me as well as downloading and listening, that would be great because I've got a heap of downloads and a heap of listeners, but not so many followers. And apparently, according to the graph, it's pretty much the same people listening all the time. So yeah, if you could just press the follow or however it turns up on your podcast listening thing, just to follow me would be also great because that puts me up in the you know, sort of statistic thing as well. So more listeners will find me. Thanks so much again. I have actually attempted to do this episode probably four or five times now, and I think it's probably quite important or at least sort of interesting in some way to share with you all just the constant physical kind of struggles, I guess, that come with doing something like this. I know I've talked about it before, and I know you could probably hear the quality of my voice today, very, very faint and very scratchy. And again, it's always just before I'm going to do a podcast, especially, it seems to be sort of graded on you know, how severe or how traumatic the story is going to be. It's you know, That is what depends on if my voice is going to work or not. And this one has been particularly difficult, so my voice is probably going to fade in and out quite a lot, and that's okay, I guess. I just have to push through. But the other very... I don't know whether you call them psychosomatic illnesses because they're very real, but anyone who's lived with an abuser for any length of time knows about the constant or permanent, as this um, episode is called, the permanent knot in the tummy that you have, just not knowing from one minute to the next what's going to happen in your life and if you're safe and when the next um, foot's going to fall, for want of a better term. You know, in your home, you're just constantly in a state of fear of fight or flight, I guess, especially when you're a child, I would think. And so, yeah, I feel like I probably don't need to explain having a permanent knot and a pain in the tummy for most of my childhood. But what's been really interesting to me to observe now is how bad my tummy pains get when I'm about to do a podcast as well, and particularly this one. I just have why I've started to do it four or five times, I think, is I've just felt physically really nauseous, really just cramps and pains in the tummy every time I've tried to start this one. And I've realized it's obviously because it's a really traumatic memory and a traumatic story. So, again, trigger a warning for anybody who, you know, isn't going to be able to cope with the heaviness of this story because it is a particularly heavy one of child abuse and so yeah be prepared or switch off please Um, my intention is not to freak anybody out or bring any anything up for anybody that's going to be really really uncomfortable and yeah so I just want to continue to share that because I reckon or I believe wholeheartedly that you know a great deal of the illnesses we struggle with in life directly coming from or stemming from trauma, trauma that we've lived with in childhood, in all our lives, in one way or another. And my obvious 
Achilles heel or whatever you would call it is my tummy cramps and my voice problems and throat problems and lung problems. So, yeah, again, it's just I like to keep you in the loop with these kind of things because I just think, you know, they are probably relatable to a lot of you that there are physical symptoms to deal with with any kind of, you know, trauma-related stuff or PTSD stuff. And it might never go away. I don't know how to make it go away. If anybody knows, I'd love you to reach out and tell me. But yeah, it's I suppose there's things like hypnosis and stuff like that, but I haven't really tried that. I've tried a couple of things like that over the last few years. But it's very frustrating when you're just trying to sort of get these stories out and it is with the intention of helping everybody else who's been through similar things. And so I'm not going to give up. I always say I won't give up no matter how croaky the voice, no matter how crampy the tummy, I'm going to keep going. So with this one, and I realise too that I I don't want to just go into a state of stress and speak really, really quickly as I'm telling this story, as I have a tendency to do when trying to get something over with, because, you know, obviously I just want it to be finished and I almost wish I didn't have to do this episode. It's probably not the most traumatic really, but it's just such a horrible sort of frightening memory to carry around. And I guess, oh yeah, I need to just try to pace myself, tell the story and know that it'll come across in the way it's meant to come across. And yeah, this particular story happened when I was I was almost 13. I can remember that because there was a really big incident that happened on my 13th birthday that wasn't long after this. So I was 12 years old and there were so many things leading up to this, like between the last story I told of the horrible tongue-in-the-mouth incident from my stepfather when I was nine years old up until now when I'm 12 there are countless, endless incidents in between that one and that one, those few years that I could talk about and I've gone backwards and forwards about how many incidents to talk about or or what is more relevant or what is going to be more interesting, I guess, or just what will make a a story that will help somebody. And he was just my stepfather going back to him was just a absolute pig in every and I love pigs so I shouldn't insult them but I you know pig of a man in every possible way and he made my life hell mentally and emotionally from the ages of around nine to about probably 13 14 was the worst times and yeah there was just one thing after another of just disgusting behavior from him and erections pressed up against me um, in lots of places on lots of occasions from him he was just a filthy disgusting man and I've jumped to this episode or this story just because I feel like you know the years in between I could honestly just go on forever of the amount of crap that went on then but I feel like I probably should just stick to the significant kind of stories that, you know, have a lead up and have a an ending and that kind of thing, just to keep it coherent and more interesting to listen to. So 
this incident I can clearly remember was when we lived, we lived for a couple of years in a very run-down motel in my childhood hometown, one of my childhood hometowns. And we lived in it, my mum, myself and my stepfather and my baby brother, who was born at this stage and was a few years old. We lived in this rundown motel because my stepfather managed it for a time. And there are so many horrible memories to do with living in that place that I know that I've shut down a lot of things and I know I'm probably deliberately blocking out a lot of things that happened because it was just such a traumatic, horrible place to live with endless occasions of abuse. But this particular one, I can clearly remember that Hey Hey It's Saturday was on was on TV on on a Saturday morning, obviously. And that was just one of my very, very favourite things to watch. I absolutely loved it. Watching it now is pretty cringy because it's very, very, very not politically correct and definitely cringy in its humour. But at the time in the 80s, we thought it was hilarious and it was just a joy for me to get up on a Saturday morning and watch it. So that's just always a bit of a weird memory for me is knowing that that was on in the background and hearing the voice of Ozzy Ostrich talking in the background and and everything. I'm sure anybody who is my age and lived in Australia at that time knows what I'm talking about. And I remember waiting for an ad break to come on and knowing that, you know, in the next ad break I was going to race into the bathroom, which was just a few steps away from the TV pretty much, and have a shower. And I was sitting there and I I probably had my dressing gown on, I would say, and I just kept waiting, yeah, sitting there waiting for the ad to come on as you do when you're a kid when we didn't have recording, we didn't have TV that, you know, you could go back to and watch as you can these days. It was very tricky occasions where you had to sort of work out when you could go to the toilet and when you could go and get a drink and uh, and on this day, sorry, my dog is howling in the background because there are little chickens walking past, little like bush turkey chickens walking past the fence, and that's why he's howling and barking. I'm sorry, the hullabaloo. Anyway, and I, on this occasion, was waiting for the ad, and it came on, and I raced really quickly into the bathroom, which was just this tiny, tiny little bathroom. All the rooms were tiny where we lived, we sort of lived in the residence of the motel, the resident part where the manager lived. I think it was very, very small. And I remember jumping into the shower and just trying to get everything done pretty quickly before the ad break was finished so I could get back to watching the TV. And all of a sudden, I just, the only way I can describe it is just this feeling of absolute terror came over me as the bathroom door was just, I can't even think of the word, like thrown open, but not just thrown open. It was punched open, I guess, with with a very strong fist. And I screamed, obviously, as I didn't know who it was or what they wanted or why anybody would be doing that when I was in the middle of having a shower. And sure enough, it turns out to be my stepfather who for reasons unknown to me why he chose this 
moment and this morning I'll never know because some of the stories around him can often be they can often include and they often do include him drinking a lot and a lot of the times he was quite drunk when some of the worst things happen but on this occasion he hadn't been drinking at all it was early in the morning and my mum and him were doing the cleaning in the rooms like the you know when people had left in the morning they were doing the cleaning I think there was six or seven rooms I can't remember that wasn't like a big place but you know, that's what they do in the mornings as the people checked out. Anyway, so I remember just being completely frozen in fear as he came storming into the bathroom and he threw open the sort of sliding bit of the shower and just grabbed my arm and yanked me out of the shower. And I thought he was going to beat me, like hit me and you know, I didn't know to what extent or why he was doing it all, but that's obviously just what I thought was going to happen because I thought obviously I've done something wrong or I've set him off in some way and he's going to beat the shit out of me, which he didn't do that often, to be fair. <laughs> I shouldn't have to be fair to him, but to be fair, he he beat my sister on several occasions, like beat physically and really hurt her, but never really beat me in that way. And he occasionally and not not that there has to be a level of it but not seriously I guess so it wasn't something he would generally do to me his interest in me was apparently purely sexual and creepy so I didn't know what I'd done I couldn't think what I might have done to to have brought this on which is how you think when you're a child you think everything's your fault and that you've done something to deserve it which is the most horrible part and anyway, he, as he jerked me out of the shower and was just standing there, we were sitting there in the middle of this tiny little bathroom, I grabbed a towel and just tried to cover myself up with it, my little you know, 12-year-old body that I was quite developed. You know, it, it was quite a developed body very much for my age, I must say. And I, yeah, without being too graphic or too gross, but yeah, I, I had quite a I guess, sort of womanly shape, even at that age. And not that there's any rhyme or reason or point to making that observation, but it was just a fact at the time. And I was trying to desperately trying to cover myself up and wondering what on earth he was doing. And he just started to scream at me, show me your tits, show me your tits. I want to see them. And I... I remember just wanting to scream and wanting to scream out to mum because she I knew she was somewhere in the motel, like she probably would have been able to hear me if I'd yelled out the window. And I don't think I have to explain that to anybody who's been abused either, that feeling of just being completely frozen and so terrified that you can't say or do anything and, you know, that ridiculous people give you the criticism when you're relay some of these stories that you know why didn't you shout for help why didn't you do this why didn't you do that and he honestly just fuck you anybody who questions things like that and you've obviously never gone through anything like that if you have to question that feeling of complete frozen fear that comes over you at times like this and you don't do what might seem logical to a lot of people so yeah I 
just remember cowering in the corner of the bathroom and just saying over and over again, please leave me alone, please leave me alone. And he was going, I I have a right. He was yelling, I have a right to look at your body. Stand up and show me your tits. And I remember just sort of scrambling, trying to scramble up again because I had been cowering on the in the corner. I tried to scramble up again and as I did, I grabbed the towel rack that was in the bathroom and I broke it off the wall by just the sheer force of trying to kind of pull myself back up to standing. And when I did that, it was kind of weirdly, even though he was obviously annoyed and then consequently angry about that, it was kind of this weird glitch almost in the matrix that that just changed the energy ever so slightly in the room, almost as if the that happening and the noise of that happening and it clattering on the floor and it was almost like a alarm of some kind and it didn't necessarily it wasn't going to stop what he was doing but I saw something flicker across his face almost as if he did question or I'm probably giving him too much credit to say this but as if he was questioning what he was doing for a split second and realizing how fucked up it was but I mean god knows if he ever did that I don't think narcissists do that a lot but it was just this you know, a welcome glitch is what I'd call it after he'd been yelling at me, screaming at me, swearing at me. I desperately just wanted to call out the window to mum and I couldn't. And I honestly, to this day, I often think, I don't know what would have happened if if that little glitch hadn't happened where there was the clatter and the bang of the towel rack falling to the floor because it was just enough of a shift in the energy for me to sort of gain control of my senses or sort of gain a bit of control, I guess, of the situation and scream out, leave me alone and pushed past him with all my strength, with the strength I didn't know I had. I remember just pushing past him to get out the bathroom door and then to run into my bedroom, shut the door and lock it. And and I th- I think I might be misremembering some of this, but I just remember him more or less going away then, like just leaving me alone. He didn't try to come into the bedroom. He didn't continue the abuse or the assault. It was just a bizarre, horrible few minutes that I don't know what it was about or what fucked up thing was in his brain at that moment, in that morning that he decided that he was going to do that. It was, and as I say, this is probably isn't, you know, it's by far probably not the worst thing he ever did to me, as there were just endless disgusting things. But with this one, I, I sort of feel like it, it demonstrates or illustrates how sick this person actually was, because you know he couldn't blame being drunk, he couldn't blame anything really. It was just such a random attack and a random weird thing to do and I mean it with an abuser of that of of his caliber and he was an abuser of the highest order I don't think you know there's any point in trying to work out why somebody does something or what they were thinking because you're never going to understand but the terror I felt in those few minutes of knowing that I was standing in front of a not just a monster 
but somebody who just had absolutely no control of their faculties, I guess is the way to put it, or somebody that was just so disturbed and so kind of demented that I remember from that moment on, just, you know, there are so many stories to come after this that I'll definitely be telling you that leads to me not living there anymore. And that's a whole chapter in itself. But yeah, I remember just feeling like I had no idea from that moment on what this man was capable of. And I had never seen, I shouldn't say I'd never seen because I had, but I had not often before seen the amount of rage and fury and hatred that I saw in his eyes that day when he was looking at me and tearing the towel away from my body and screaming at me. I felt honestly like he wanted to and could have killed me in that moment and I do wonder to this day whether that is what would have happened if I didn't get out of that house which didn't happen for a little while longer and it's not what you'd call a a happy ending or a story of true freedom or it sort of goes from bad to worse if anything the story of me moving out of this place but yeah that was a particularly traumatic one that that I know is one of the biggest factors of any kind of PTSD I might have. If that's what I've got, I don't even know anymore. It's been diagnosed by a couple of people I've, you know, had sessions with, but I don't know anymore. I don't know what the words are you put to the experience of just living with this kind of shit all the time. But um, I don't pretend to be any kind of psychologist or doctor or understand the psychological side of these things. And that's why I want to tell these stories because I just want to be a voice for anybody else who has lived with a similar kind of horror. As I talk to you now, um, obviously you can hear the trembling of my voice, but the cramp in my tummy is just something else at the moment. So I might have to cut this short a little bit. And now that I've got that story out, and again, I genuinely apologise to anybody who is triggered by these kind of stories because I know they're horrible. It's very horrible for me to, I think now, especially as a mother, you just think, you know, of your your own child at that age and just what you would have done if you'd known of something like that happening to them and God forbid that it ever would, but just the... I can't even, I don't want to imagine what I would do in that situation to protect and save my own child. And it's why, you know, there is just such disbelief in all of these stories about my mother knowing about them and still not doing anything about them, not protecting me, not saving me, and just allowing this to go on and on. And I might leave it there. And I will be back. I'm sorry again because I did say in the last episode I did that it wouldn't be very long until I did the next one and I lied because I didn't know I was lying at the time because I really thought I would be able to do this sooner, this particular story. But it's taken me quite a while to do it and I'm glad it's done now and out of the way as it is one of my least favourite things to talk about. And again, thank you so much for your support in listening. This has been my sixth episode. I can't say sixth episode of Bullseye, and it's called a permanent knot in the tummy, which I think a lot of people out there will understand the reference with that. And um, yeah, I will be back 
reasonably soon with the next episode, which is not so much a lighter one, but it's not as traumatic a story. So I'll try to space them out a bit. And uh, yeah, please press follow as you're listening to me on whatever platform you listen to me on, because I do need to actually show that I've got more followers and not just the downloads and listeners, apparently. And yeah, it's very helpful helpful to me if you can do that. And I'll give more information in the next episode about how to become a patron if you like, and that can be as little as a dollar a month if you want to become a patron and pledge an amount to help me get this done, to cover all the costs that are inherent in doing this, because there's quite a few. And yeah, I will give that information out because I haven't got it in front of me at the moment. And soon I'm organising a couple of little prize draws for my patrons, so that'll be a bit exciting, nice little things to give away. And I'll talk to you next time. Thanks very much. I'm Tamsin Wolf. Bye.